Jesus will be working in the world when the end of time draws near, but he has already been working in the world since the beginning of time. And today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that you can be a part of what Jesus is doing. See, Jesus was sent to the earth to die for every person because of God's love for us. That means that every person deserves the chance to hear about grace, and you could be the one to help spread that great news. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 1 as he continues his message, How Jesus Works. Jesus Jesus faithfully brings out into the open who God is. Now, isn't that an important reality? See, this is why for thousands of years people have followed Jesus, because Jesus is saying, this is who God is. Let me show you who God is in the way that I live my life, my own personal witness. And I'm so grateful for the witness of Jesus. And because of our faith in Jesus, Jesus wants to do the same thing in you and I. He wants to make us faithful witnesses of who God is. So now this speaks about your testimony, your life, what you believe and how you carry that belief through the world. I believe that one of the things that God wants to do in, not only in this year of revelation, but in us growing in Christ, is he actually wants us to care more about our witness to the world of who Jesus is than any other agenda. Is your life a faithful witness of Jesus? Now, I say that knowing full well that for all of us, we're like, ooh. But part of growing in our faith is Closing the gap between what we say we believe and who we are. I like to remind people that our lives are the only Bible that a lot of people will read. They'll read your life, the epistle of your life, before they read the scriptures. Because it's more convenient to read your life. And when you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have a desire to read the scriptures. So they look at believers And for us, we want to be the kind of people who just like our Lord and Savior Jesus, our lives are faithful witnesses. We do a faithful job of displaying the person of Jesus into the world. He's a faithful witness. Now, what's beautiful, not only is Jesus the faithful witness, notice next, he's the firstborn from the dead. Now, that's powerful. Because really what John is saying here is that Jesus is the beginning of the resurrection. That up until the point of Jesus, people died, but Jesus is the first one who died and then conquered death because he never did anything that could, that death could hold him. And so Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. See, everything for humanity changed 
on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus left that grave. Because not only did Jesus experience resurrection, but he said that I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he will live again. Jesus is the beginning of the resurrected reality that is the inheritance of the people of God. Now, I don't want you to miss this for one second. Resurrection is not only what happens to the believer after they die. God gives us the gift of resurrection on this side of eternity as well. The beauty of the Christian faith is not only heaven later, it's resurrection now. What that means is that God is in the resurrection business because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. So here's the question. What are you asking God to resurrect in your heart and life right now? Maybe right now you've just been beat down by everything. You've lost hope. Listen, say, God, will you resurrect hope in my heart? Maybe your marriage is just really challenging, right? And you're just like, I can't stay. I'm done. No, listen. You need to say, God, will you do a resurrection in my marriage? Maybe your relationship with your kids. Maybe your relationship with your neighbors. Maybe your attitude needs a little bit of resurrection power. Because you just find yourself moving through the world, you're just really frustrated, really angry. You, just, you have a bad attitude. See, the ways that we die inside is not the end of the story, but the resurrection of Jesus is the end of the story. And because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, God wants to do a work of resurrection in you. And so much of life, I believe, is learning how to trust the God of the resurrection in the midst of the journey. Maybe it's a dream that God had really placed in your heart that along the way you just stopped believing that God was going to do that. Would you let God resurrect that? Will you let God do a fresh work? Because Jesus always brings redemption out of what dies. Jesus said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He's saying, look, you need to die to yourself so that the resurrected life of God may be brought to pass in your life. So our lives are actually, in Christ, continual processes of death and resurrection. It's powerful, isn't it? And because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, we should be people who expect resurrection. It's amazing, because I share this stuff and I realize, like, you'll only hear about this when you think of Jesus. There's nowhere else to hear about this from. It's like we're so used to, when it's dead, it's over. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, no, no. They thought they crucified Jesus. Like, like they did crucify him. He's like, yeah, I'm back. You know? BRB, you know? <laughs> I'm back. You know? And in a lot of ways as believers, it changes the way we think about life because we are recipients of resurrection. How is God desiring to do a work of resurrection in and through your life right now? I want you to think like, oh man, I think that'll never happen. And then... Insert a little faith in the resurrection. God, might you want to do that? Now, I'm not saying that he's going to resurrect everything that we want. That is not how God's not a vending machine that way. But we should never think all hope is lost because Jesus rose from the grave. But not only is Jesus a faithful witness, and not only is he the firstborn from the dead, but I love this. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now, this is so important for us. And I and listen, I realize I I have a bad habit, although it's a well-practiced habit, of stepping on people's toes about politics. I do it on purpose because 
Politics is very much the driver of so many of our worldviews today. And as a pastor, if I just let that go or if I encouraged it, then I'm actually undercutting the scriptures because so many of us are so concerned about the little kings that we have in the world today and how important it is. And then you read something in the Bible like, hey, he's the king over all the little kings. You see that? Jesus is the ruler over all the kings of the earth. So all the people who have their little elected positions or their inherited positions because of their family name, they have a ruler over them, and that's Jesus. And it's so important for us. And I'm not saying you shouldn't care about politics, because you should. You should vote. We put way too much trust in people with these little earthly kingdoms, and we forget that there's a king over those folks. And that's Jesus. And that's why Jesus is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what I'm trying to do when I poke at it and I prod on it and I give you a hard time about it is I'm trying to remind you that the little kings and queens of the earth, that Jesus rules over them. He is sovereign over them. And he does not need them. And he directs them as he wants to in the ways that he wants to. So we should be as or more concerned with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all these other little things. Amen. You can clap for that. But what our world does is says, no, no, this is the most important thing. Listen, if I get one more person tell me what the most important thing is that isn't Jesus, I'm going to like lose it. Like I'm just like karate chop. Like, cause listen, I actually won't hit anybody, but I will in my heart and God's working on me. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep because here's the deal. Most pastors today, their inbox and people are complaining. It's not about theology and Jesus. It's all about politics. It's like, when did the church become all about politics? We used to be all about Jesus, and now we're all about politics. And then I read things like this, and I'm like, this is who Jesus is. Why do we freak out about the little earthly kings and and elected officials who are going to be here for a minute, and they're going to be gone, when Jesus has always been the ruler all over these, these little people? Now, we should vote, and we should care, but we shouldn't place all our trust in all these little people. Because our trust is already in Jesus, who's the Messiah, who's the faithful witness, who's the firstborn of the resurrection, and now he's the one who is sovereign and ruling over everything. So we keep our focus on the Lord, and we let all the little people vie for their jobs and everything, and their status and everything, and we remember Jesus is supreme. Amen? Okay. I just got started here talking about Jesus. It's so good. Now... If all of that wasn't cool enough, look at what it says next. And this is, gosh, this is why I love being a Christian, why I love being a follower of Jesus. Because look what it says. This is the end of verse 5. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, this is who Jesus is. Jesus loves us. That is powerful. And then we know Jesus loves us because Jesus himself said in John 15, 13, greater love has no other than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus laid down his life for us. But you have to remember, Jesus doesn't only love you and I as followers of Jesus, because Jesus said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus's entrance into the world was because of God's love for humanity. 
Now, the only way somebody experiences God's love and knows God's love is to receive the gift of grace that God wants to give. And that's why he says, for God loved us, for Jesus loved us. And then notice what it says. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, I know that that might sound morbid to some of you. You're like, wait a second. He washed us with his blood. That is nasty. I just thought about this the other day because on my street, there's a lot that's being built. And, you know, and my soon-to-be neighbor is so muddy out there, he got stuck in the mud. My poor neighbor, like me and Lynn are walking and all of a sudden I see my neighbor and he's like, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, I think I'm stuck in the mud. And literally like his feet were in the mud, like he was sitting down and I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor, so I got to help, you know? So I let it go. I'm like, can I help you? And he's like, well, I don't want you to get stuck in the mud. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Come on. So, so literally I get on in there and my neighbor is literally, he's like, the mud is like up to his kneecaps. This is a mess, you know? And so like, I'm like trying to dig him out and I'm getting, I look like a pig wallowing in the mire. Like I got like the mud everywhere. So I'm trying to dig it out. And meanwhile, I'm not like a light person either. So I'm getting stuck in the mud. I'm like in there and I'm like getting all this thing out. And he's like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm like, oh man, we can get this stuff washed. You know what I mean? And so sure enough, I get him out and then like I'm losing my shoe in the mud. It's like, it was one of those. And so finally I get my, I'll get my neighbor out. I get out of there. He get his shoes out of the mud. And I'm like, and he's like, I feel so bad. And I'm like, oh man, don't worry. You know? And so I'm walking home and I'm thinking about this verse because I'm like, man, I just got washed in mud and it's not good. But then I thought about getting washed in the blood of Jesus. And I started thinking like, that's just a crazy phrase. But what this teaches us is this. The only way for a person to be made right with God is for Jesus to apply his death to our lives. And this is why there is no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. Because God says that all of us have failed and we all know that we have, even if we don't want to admit it. At some point along the way, we have all made mistakes and we bring those mistakes with us. Not only the shame that we personally feel, but the existential issues and angst that come with those decisions. We bring that with us wherever we are. And then everybody decides on a self-salvation plan. But here's what I want to tell you. Unless a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, you are never cleansed from that sin. Let me tell you why. There's all sorts of ways people tell you, this is how you get right with God. They say, well, listen, I want you to sit cross-legged and I want you to calm your mind. Now, even if you can accomplish that, you still brought your sin in and you're going to bring it out with you with a calm mind. Like imagine you're like, oh, no, no, listen, I'm going to be right with God if I just work hard. Listen, you can work hard and you should. But you working hard, you still bring your sin in with you and you bring it out after. Yeah, I was reading about these folks and they they literally believe that they can walk over these hot coals. It's like the way to eternal life. And I was like, I don't know why anyone want to walk over hot coals anyway. I mean, a little warm sand's not so bad, but like walking on hot coals. So like, imagine you, you do that, right? And you walk on the hot coals and you make it through. You still brought your sinfulness in with you and you bring it out on the other end. The only way for a person to be washed is by believing in Jesus. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why Jesus said, if there is any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And brothers and sisters, listen. Have you been washed by the blood of Jesus and you believe in him and then God by faith 
applies the finished work of Jesus to your life. It's the only, God loved us. Now, what's interesting about this is God's love leads Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. But it ultimately becomes, you have to choose to allow God to apply the finished work of Jesus to your life. It's like my son Obadiah. So we went to go see the orthopedist. And the orthopedist is like, man, that's a nasty, nasty fracture. You need plates and pins and screws. Right? I gotta, I gotta put it all back together again. Oh, but I could have very easily said, well, you know, doc, I don't believe you. I mean, you just want my money. You know, you're a doctor. You just, you know, you make your money by putting pins and stuff in my leg and everything. I don't believe that. Now, Obadiah cannot believe that. Like what might happen? It might heal a little bit, but it's such a messed up fracture. It's like, he's going to be hurt for the rest of his life. The doctor said the only way to be healed is for this. We have to do it this way. And it's the same thing with Jesus. People all the time say, I don't want to believe in Jesus. I don't need to be washed with blood. The great physician said, there's only one way to be cleansed. And you can think that you don't need it, but the only way to be cleansed is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And that's why we believe in him. And that's why as a church family, we've been so committed to Jesus and only Jesus, preaching Jesus, inviting people to respond to Jesus. Because only by allowing Jesus's blood to be applied. And, And really, People argue about, well, do we, do we say yes? Is, like God is moving and we're responding. That's why we always talk about simply responding to Jesus here. People get all mad about the theology. Oh no, you can't respond. No, no, you have to respond. God is doing it and then you're responding, right? So I don't get into all like the minutia of the details because we leave that for people who like to get angry about the Bible. For me, it's like God is moving, you respond to it. That's how it works. If God is moving and you don't respond to it, that's not smart. When God is inviting you, you say yes. We know that God is moving because you're saying yes. That's like, how else do we figure this out? Right? And so in a lot of ways, as a church, we are so committed because we realize the only way that a person can be washed of their sin is by believing in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, then you become completely aware of the love that God has for you. Now, all of that is what God has, who Jesus is, but then there's what Jesus has done. And look at what he's done. So he cleanses us, and then verse 6 tells us, And has made us kings and priests of his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. And we all said, amen. What Jesus does is he washes us. And when he washes us, he makes us kings and priests. How many of you feel like a king or a priest today? Not at all, right? But I'm here to tell you, that's who you are. Look at the person next to you say, you're a king. Or if it's a sister, say you're a queen. Go ahead. Same difference. Tell them both. And then look at them and say, you're a priest too. Now, I make you say that because the Bible teaches, this is who we are. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So in a lot of ways, because of who Jesus is, I want you to start to lean into who you really are in Christ, which means that you are royalty. Or to quote a great contemporary hip-hop theologian, I got royalty, royalty inside my DNA. Three of you know that reference. It's true though. If you're in Christ, because he's the king of kings and lord of lords, you're royalty. 
You're kings. Now that doesn't mean you should walk around and be like, I'm a king. Everyone stop at Walmart. Let me buy my TV on Black Friday. That's not what it means. It's this reality that you are part of the family of God. And because Jesus is the king above all kings and the Lord above all lords, there is a dignity and royalty to being a child of God. And in the same way, not only do we have royalty, but we have this work of the priesthood, what, what, what theologians call the priesthood of all believers. Now, when we think of priests, we think of all different things. Every once in a while, someone calls me like Father Daniel or something. I'm like, how my kids call me that, you know? But the idea of a priest in the Bible is somebody who stands before God in intercession for the people and then stands before the people as a way to declare who God is and what he's done. And here's what I want to tell you. That is not just my job. That is our job. As a royal priesthood in Jesus, your job is to bring the needs of our community and our world to God in intercession. Say, Lord, you see what's going on in my community. You see what's going on in my county. You see what's going on in my world. Lord, will you intervene? Will you work in the midst of this? And at the same time, we intercede to the Father, and then we also turn our lives outward, and we, we project the reality of Jesus into the world. And again, remember we talked about being a faithful witness? How are we doing mediating who Jesus is into the world? On your job, with your family, with your neighbors, so much of what God wants to do in our lives in this year of revelation, I think he wants to help us to learn who we truly are in Christ. According to this, we're kings and priests. Now, here's the, the problem. When you're a king and you don't realize it, you don't act like it. When you're a priest and you don't realize it, you don't act like it. But when you realize it, you act like it. You know how many times, it's so funny. I tell people all the time that I have the great privilege of being a pastor. And people know that I'm a pastor because I can't get away with any funny business. Because people know that I'm a pastor. You know, so like even when things go wrong and I'm frustrated, I have to like kind of stuff my frustration and be nice because I know I'm supposed to be kind. Because someone, you know, I don't know who knows who I am, but I figure a lot of people do. And that's like, it's freaky. But it's also really cool because I don't let myself get away with anything. Because I know someone's going to be like, oh, I saw Fusco and he was all angry at the grocery store, right? Because you know if I was angry at the grocery store, we'd hear about it. You know, I saw your pastor, you know, like something goes bad at a restaurant. I can't be like, oh, you know, I'm Italian. So, you know, food, if you mess up the food, it's a bad scene, you know? But I can't be like, oh, man, this was horrible service. It's like, no, I still got to just be like, love them and be nice. And hey, like, I'm so sorry that we spit in your food. Oh, don't worry about it, you know? Not that that really has happened. But you know what I mean? It's like, I'm grateful for the accountability. But then I realize, because we're all kingdom of priests, guess what? You should feel that accountability as well. You should say to yourself, when I act in a way that is not like Christ, I am not being a good, faithful priest of God's kingdom. Jesus is real. How awesome is it that as a child of God, you are royalty in his eyes? Pastor Daniel told you today that you're also considered a priest, a person who stands in between God and the world. You project God's goodness and mercy to the people around you, but you also present the needs of the world to the Lord. You are called to pray for the needs you see around you. 
you are to intercede for the people you're also sharing God's grace with. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel reminds you that it's easy to get caught up in conspiracy theories when you're looking at the book of Revelation incorrectly. The reason to study this book is, as Pastor Daniel has said again and again already, to learn about Jesus. When that remains your focus, you'll be able to understand more of this book and you'll avoid misinterpreting what you can't understand. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.